If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your screenwriting, I'd like to invite you to dive even deeper into our program. We have incredible classes that you can access from anywhere in the world, live in our special online format. You can also join us in our studio in New York City or as part of our ProTrack mentorship program, where we pair you one-on-one with a professional writer who will mentor you every week or every other week through each draft of your screenplay. If you'd like to learn more or to subscribe to this podcast, you can visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. I'm here today with Katie Torpy, who is our newest teacher. She's teaching our TV drama classes. She's going to be teaching Write Your Screenplay 1, Write Your Screenplay 2, Write Your Screenplay <laughs> 3, and The Writing Lab. Yep. So welcome. It's so Thank nice you. to have you. No, thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Well, I'd love to just kind of start off by talking about, you know, a little bit about your background as a screenwriter. Perfect. So I, the first job I got out of college was at America's Most Wanted mm-hmm. TV show. And I was doing stories for them. And that's when I really kind of fell for storytelling in that genre. And then I left for L.A. I lived on the East Coast. I went to L.A. Started working as a PA and stuff like that. But I started taking some classes at UCLA Extension. And I won some awards. I won a, the Diane Thomas. I the finalist in that in the Chesterfield and that got me really going and then I got into UCLA film school got my master's in screenwriting and then from there I sold a script out of film school and, and I went and started working with Power Rangers and wrote for them then I sold another script that got made called The Perfect Man with Hilary Duff Heather Locklear and Chris Knott I wrote and directed a movie that I shot in Ireland starred Stana Kattik who was on Castle and that was awesome because I got to direct from there I sold a TV show that got made on Hulu was one of Hulu's first TV shows and it was interesting because we were like online like we're gonna do a TV show online we're like what you know we want like HBO or you know NBC Fox and now it's so huge online TV and then I teach obviously I love teaching my first teacher as a screenwriter her name was a Valerie West. She was so inspiring and she really helped me learn about storytelling and I swore if I ever got to a place that I could teach and help someone and have them feel that way, I would do it. And yeah. that's that's what got me into teaching. I had a mentor like that too. I had Peter Parnell who mm-hmm. uh, at the time was a playwright. Peter taught me what it meant to be an artist, which is something that often I think gets left out of screenwriting training. Absolutely. It, it tends to go so formulaic that it's like a math equation and that's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know? When you're approaching a script or when you're approaching a script with a student, how do you help a student or how do you help yourself mm-hmm. find that balance between the art and the craft? I spent so much time learning the craft in many different ways. I throw it out now because it's really kind of ingrained in me. So I don't even really think about it. So it becomes this organic flow of the story. And we've talked about it, but for me, when you know the characters so well, like you really make them rich, they write themselves. It's like you're almost channeling. If you were a newer writer, and maybe you've been taught a lot of like formula, you've been taught mm-hmm. Save the Cat or Hero's Journey right, or, or right. Three Act Structure, and now you're looking to get underneath and mm-hmm. get to your authentic voice as a writer. How do you do that? I would start with journaling, just starting to write, vomit it out, and just see what comes out. And then you'll see like some beautiful stuff. You have a really cool installment of the writing lab that you're going to do with us called yes. The Hero Writes Itself. 
Yes. And I wonder if, because it sounds kind of related to what you're talking about, right? Absolutely, now. yeah. It, yeah. It, yes. Yeah, and you were talking about how you actually use archetypes to connect. Yes. Right? And it, it's yeah. like a series of writing exercises, is that right? Yeah. I really have people go into their life and the people who they've met in their life and things they like, dislike, who they are, moments from their life to really pull out experiences and stories a story they might meant to tell. It's just a wild experience because it's it's all psychological. If you know all the elements of the, a human being, why they do what they do, and the motivation behind everything, you understand someone has a hard time in relationships because their parents got divorced and the mom cheated on the dad. Or you know, if you know these kind of details, you will understand why this main character has a hard time in love. It's almost like a river that just starts and the character just becomes fabulous because you're creating something so original original and this character is so original that it's just talking for you. It's like you're not even writing it anymore. You've worked in so many different worlds and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you approach feature films versus how you approach television. How are they similar and how are they different? Well features there's an end to the story. And so I really think about where's this character going and who's the supporting characters in the world with them and how do they all connect. And then with a TV show it's endless. Like, I just think, like, what could happen in 100 episodes? Where can these characters go? It's almost more freeing yeah. to write TV. And it's a lot of fun, actually. I feel like TV, though, you can let these characters run and play. And you know, look at Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great example of it was almost like a long movie, you know, six seasons. Because <laughs> he really changed, and the characters changed, and the stories changed. You know, we have so many students who are working to break into television, mm -hmm. and some who have successfully done it, which is really exciting. When you were working as a showrunner, what would you look for in a new writer? It was all about can they tell a story? You know, am I engaged? Yeah. And engagement doesn't mean to have like you open up with a murder or something. Engagement is all about, do I want to read the next page? Mm -hmm. Because the character is insanely brilliant or there's like a, a story element that you're like, wow, and you just want to keep on reading and reading. Yes. That's my goal when I'm telling a story. I want to be real and authentic with it. You can feel it when it's manufactured, yeah. when it's trying to be something it isn't. I love being authentic with it. I want you to keep on watching the TV or not walk out of the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that, that I always talk about with my students is that there are different phases of writing. You know, you have your me draft where it's, I'm just going to look at what it might be. I'm going to let right. it write itself. Then you have your audience draft where you're like, okay, now I have to kind of serve this up mm -hmm. in a way that the audience can go on as cool of a journey as I can. Mm -hmm. I can have some structure talk about the producer draft, right? Where you're gonna like turn up the volume on the hook so that a producer can go like, oh, I can sell this. Right, uh, or right. an actor can go like, oh, I wanna be in this. And the reader draft where you really clean up formatting. I'm curious when you're working on a TV show in such a collaborative environment, and like you were talking about, there's like this element of, I want to just allow the story to tell itself. And then there's this other element of, I want the audience to keep turning those pages. Absolutely. So when you're in a writer's room, it's a lot of fun because you do the season arc. You know, you have 20 episodes or you have 
Power Rangers, we did 40, I think, that season. So you need to know where the journeys are, where the characters are going, what's the storylines. It's a lot of fun to play with that, bounce ideas. We had to have a big board and you would just lay it out, like where are the stories going? But they would change sometimes. We needed the structure so we knew where we were going. Yeah. Sometimes the episode would change, so we'd be like, oh wait, we gotta change this, because the character authentically didn't want to go there. So we played that way and people would bounce and it was a lot of fun. That's such an exciting thing to think about because a lot of newer writers get really hung up on their outlines, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or there's this idea that, well, when you get to a TV show, you must do an outline and then everyone must play by those rules. Right. You know, when we're, what we've really seen, you know, with our students who have gone on to TV shows and having wonderful teachers like you and Jerry teaching television, what we've really seen is there's an outline, but that outline is constantly in flux mm -hmm. and just when you think you know what your story is someone changes episode 42 absolutely and your story changes yep how do you develop those skills with an emerging writer when you know they've worked so darn hard to craft that mm -hmm. piece right. and now suddenly the showrunner changes everything or the network changes everything or the showrunner network both want to change <laughs> something so that that they have that plasticity in their writing I think for any writer, you need to be able to be flexible mm -hmm. because it's an art. It's a storytelling art. It's not finance, <laughs> you know, yeah. literally. You have to go with the characters and the story, and you never know why a story's going to change. Mm -hmm. You know, there could be an actor that gets fired, <laughs> you know, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, okay, this story's going over here. Or there's no chemistry between a couple on a TV show, and they're like, okay, we got to break them up. So you're always moving and shifting, but it, it's fun. Yeah. It's actually fun to move and shift. Yeah. It's like you're hanging out in the writer's room, we're like, hey, we've got a new plan. Like, yeah. all right, what are we gonna do? Let's like figure it out. And then everyone bounces and plays together and then we land in the story. Yeah, so you actually enjoy rewriting. I do, yeah. I do, I absolutely do. And I find it usually gets to the best level at yeah. that point. How do you make rewriting fun for yourself? Because I know so many of my students they dread rewriting, right? It's like, oh no, God, please let me be finished. Many people could rewrite for the rest of their life. They're like trying yeah. for perfection and that's never gonna happen. You know, there's a point when it's actually done. Yeah. And uh, I think for me, I like getting it to the best level it yeah. can be. I never wanna turn anything in uh, to the network or to pitch or whatever until I feel like it's ready. Yeah. So I kinda enjoy going for getting it ready. For me, it's, it's kinda fun and, and I know what works and doesn't. And once you set it aside, you set a script aside a month, two weeks, and you pick it back up and you just know, you're like, oh my God, that's going, that's going. It yeah, just... I remember uh, Roger Spottis would uh, directed uh, a film of mine, uh, The Matthew Shepard Story, and um, Roger's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant director. He mm -hmm. had done, and the band played on, and you uh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a really strong director. Every time I sent him a rewrite, I'd be like, so what do you think? And he'd be like, I'm giving it the smell test. <laughs> and I, I said, what's the smell test? And he's like, well, the smell test is, you, you read it and you're either gonna like it or not and then you don't worry about that. You stick it under your pillow and you wait for two, three days and you see if it stinks. And that was a, a kind of wonderful lesson for me, which mm -hmm. was that like, 
oftentimes we're not really good judges of our own writing, but especially without some distance. Absolutely. You can get so far down that rabbit hole. Absolutely. And then a lot of times I tell people, when you just start, if you're on like a fifth or sixth rewrite, have someone look at it. Sometimes I rewrite it to go backwards. You yes. don't realize that you're making it worse. Yes. And you need people you trust. You need some people that you really trust with story and writing who will read it, tell you the truth, but they're not giving you notes to give you notes. They're actually just sharing the experience and are helping you get it to the next level. Yes. And a note on that, not a coverage reader. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Oh my God. It, I started as a coverage reader. You know, it, right. it's not that there's something wrong with coverage readers. It's just right. when I was a coverage reader, I didn't know what I was doing either. Right. You know, and right. I've seen so many writers really get their scripts damaged mm -hmm. by taking notes from somebody who's reading scripts for $50 a script. Absolutely. One of my first scripts. Literally, it was my first script I wrote, and a guy who was a coverage reader read it, and he destroyed it. It devastated me. Like, literally, I was like, I'm not a good writer, so I almost walked away. Yeah. That would have, you know, changed the course of my life. I was lucky I, I had had great mentorship early in my career. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, like, if I had been a young writer who didn't have one of those great mentors, if I hadn't had that experience, I might have stopped. Yeah. You know, and never actually have my career yeah. based on one person's taste. I know. I tell young writers all the time, do not let anyone have you go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay? Get another opinion. Start something out. It's not about other people's opinions really it's about what you feel and if you're a writer you're a writer don't let anyone tell you you're not yeah it's so important I think to own that yeah absolutely like go tell somebody you're a writer yeah and if you feel like a fraud well then go write something and then tell them about that right <laughs> yeah. it's such a courageous thing to actually put those words on the page if you wrote at all today then you did more than most people who call themselves writers <laughs> do, including professional writers. Right. Because professional writers procrastinate just like beginning writers. <laughs> Funny story, my sister, I have an older sister who's lovely, and I moved to LA and I was doing PA work and stuff, and I would tell people, I'd be like, I'm a writer, you know, I'm a writer, yeah, I'm a screenwriter. And my sister, one time we were on the phone, and she's like, um, Katie, you haven't written anything yet. <laughs> you're telling everyone you're a writer, and you haven't written a word. I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> like, literally, like, the dawn dawned on me. So uh, then I started writing. Yeah. But I thought that was funny. I told everyone I was a writer and hadn't written a word. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what we tell ourselves about ourselves is formative, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you keep telling yourself you're a writer, eventually you're going to have to do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if right. you keep telling people you're a writer, eventually someone's either going to say, like, what have you written or <laughs> right. what are you working on? Right. So it's like sometimes you have to throw yourself into the water before you're ready and own that this is something that matters to you. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about it that way. I often say in my Write Your Screenplay class, and you probably would agree, if you want to learn to live, write a great script, you, you need to learn to live a great life. And similarly, if you don't know how to live a great life, well, you can start by writing a really great script <laughs> because you, your characters can make choices. And I think that's what, what life is about. You know, it's about like making those choices. And, you know, sometimes we're reactive. Mm -hmm. And we're reactive in our writing, mm -hmm. and we're reactive in our lives. Right. Where we kind of let the story of our lives drive us. 
mm-hmm. rather than us driving the story. It's interesting because the same same problem people have in life is the one they have with their characters, right? It's <laughs> right. the most common problem in a script right. is the main character is not driving the action. Yes. So, you know, I think that's something to think about if you're listening is how is your character going to drive the action of their script? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of characters, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I had a teacher audition to teach for me who, who I didn't hire. And he said, ah, oh, writing is easy. You chase your character up a tree, you throw rocks at them, you chase them down the tree. And I was like, I definitely can't hire you <laughs> because for me, it's the, it's the opposite of that. You have to make the character choose to go up that tree. Mm-hmm. You know, if you build the character as a victim, if you just spend your whole movie throwing rocks at your character, it's hard to actually care about that character. It's Absolutely. hard to root for them. And I think the same thing is true in your own life is like if you see yourself as a victim and people are victimized uh, all the time absolutely, you know absolutely. i mean in truly horrific ways but if you are defining yourself as a victim mm-hmm. then you're letting the perpetrators move your life absolutely and the problem is sometimes with people they look at a situation and they don't see their part in it so they just point and then once you see your own part in it you're not a victim anymore if you look at some of the greats, Breaking Bad, I love Breaking Bad, obviously, Game of Thrones, Grey's Anatomy, they're all very different shows. They're all very different worlds. When you have worlds like that, you have so much potential to just write beautiful stories and keep on going and tell hundreds of episodes, but the world has to be rich. The Game of Thrones, I mean, obviously it was a book first, but those worlds are unbelievable and you're, you're in it. You know, and you look at like Star Trek, same thing. It's like a great world. But in those worlds, you have amazing characters. Grey's Anatomy is a hospital show. It could be so stupid. It's brilliant because the characters and the stories and you care. I'm going to play the devil's advocate because okay. I kind of yep. know the answer to this question. Okay. But, <laughs> but I'm thinking if I was a student at home, I might be thinking like, okay, hold on a second. I want to write the next Game of Thrones. How do I pull that out of my life? You know, I didn't grow up with a giant wolf. I've never seen a White Walker. If I want to write in a world that's not our world, Mm -hmm. how do I pull that out of my life? First thing I always tell people, don't chase the market. Mm -hmm. Don't write the next Breaking Bad because they already wrote it. When you want to pull out a, a special world, I have people brainstorm and be like, what is a world, a special fantasy, interesting world that you are drawn to? So you don't want to make Game of Thrones. You want to make your Game of Thrones, which is you tapping into storytelling, what you like, what shows you like, what pulls you in. Mm -hmm. So it's really almost like a subconscious, like mind dump. So I want to write Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. I want to write a fantasy adventure. How do I a person who grew up in suburban New Jersey (laughs) and wanted to make the football team. How do I translate my experiences into a fantasy world so that I can write the fantasy that only I could write? First, I have people look at the fantasy worlds they like in the sense of like, I love The Matrix. I mean, I know we're talking about TV right now, but maybe a little sci-fi, you know, I love Game of Thrones. If you throw a little sci-fi and a little Game of Thrones, what would that look like? And then Star Trek, you know, that's kind of interesting. And I pull a little bit of that out. And I really like dogs and I like furry things. Is there something there? So I just start seeing what I like and what I'm drawn to. So it doesn't just have to be 
what you experienced. It can be like, these are the things that I like. These Absolutely. are the shows that I've watched 500 times. These are the kinds of worlds that I know intimately or the kind of genres Completely. that I know intimately. Yeah, yeah, I, you can tap into it. What you want to write is what you like. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have anyone who hates science fiction write a science fiction movie. I'd be like, no, that's, yeah. not, that's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I've always also felt like sci-fi and fantasy and horror, these like really strong genre right. pieces, they're in a way, the best ones are always like metaphors for something that's going on in mm. us. Well, I just did a podcast on A Quiet Place. You know, A Quiet Place is not about the monster. Mm -hmm. a, a Quiet Place is about silence between families and the way that silence, the way that not speaking our feelings mm -hmm. actually tears families apart or right. puts families in danger. And everything else is like a metaphor for that. Right, right. Even Breaking Bad, which Breaking Bad is a piece about entrepreneurship. He happens to be building a crystal meth empire. <laughs> right. But each season is just another step of building a startup, right. you know? Right. It's like, all right, let's build a team. I got a guy <laughs> who's not real reliable, but kind of knows a little something about drugs and you know <laughs> we're gonna have competition that's like a street hustler you know the next season we're gonna get a little bigger and we're gonna be competing with the cartel and then it's gonna right. get bigger and we're gonna be competing with multinational corporations and if I look at Breaking Bad I go like we got science okay I'm fascinated with science and entrepreneurship I don't know how much Vince Gilligan knew about the drug trade but you could do that with research but the what do I know is like, I know what it's like to try to build a business and feel so much competition. Or I have that obsession with science and how do I dig down there? I find that, like you just said, I like the metaphor because the metaphor, besides the characters, is going to keep people watching it. So the metaphor, the theme, that's so important. And you can have a similar theme in a hundred different shows. Yeah. We're going to follow the theme if we feel a connection to it. Yeah. So if you feel a connection to a certain theme, put that in a show. Make it, you know, a part of the show. There's a great story about uh, the creation of Deadwood. Deadwood was originally pitched as Rome. He brought it to HBO as Rome because he was interested in the idea of how societies were built. So he thought of Rome as a place because wow. the way they conquered and created a new society, right. right, was like an example of how societies actually grow, like how our cultural mores and our rules and our right. structures grow. So he brought it to HBO and HBO said, oh, this is great. We already got something like this. We have Rome, <laughs> right? <laughs> Rome was not even out yet. You know, uh -huh. talk about chasing the market. He didn't even right. know that they had this series in development and they said could it be set somewhere else and so he went home and he went well of course it could how about the wild west then they bought deadwood i think that's just such a great example of what you're talking about is like what's the world i know or what's the world i'm curious about i'm curious about how society's rules get put in place and how they get built Okay, awesome. Well, what are the worlds where I could explore that? Right. I could explore that in Rome. I could explore that in the Wild West. I could explore that on the moon. Right. I could explore that in Atlantis, underwater. I could explore okay, that right. in Iraq, you know? And so when you start to connect to the themes that matter to you, then everything else is just a metaphor for that theme. Yes. Iraq becomes a metaphor for the theme. The Wild West becomes a metaphor for that theme. 
Well, I also like to have people with settings. You kind of got me thinking about settings. What settings do you know? Where have you traveled? What places have you spent? What do you know that you love? And you can take a movie or a TV show and just throw it in there. It's so different if it's in Italy than if it's in West Virginia. Yeah. But it'd still be almost the same story. Yeah. But the setting becomes a character. Yes. Well, if you take Call Me By Your Name out of Italy, it's a completely oh, different movie. A completely different movie. Yes, yeah. and probably doesn't do so well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what if you think of yourself as boring? What if you're like, I came from a nice family, I grew up in the suburbs, yeah, I went to the right school, I became a an accountant. My accountant is actually really interesting. I actually <laughs> wrote a really cool script in my class. But, but let's say you don't feel interesting. Well, what I would say is start to pay attention to the world around you and the people in your life and your past and the anyone. So you can pull from anything and anyone. If you don't want to pull from yourself, that's completely cool. But I find that I would say I don't think anyone's ever boring, but I do yeah. know that people think they are boring. But you just start to pay attention. That's like one of my biggest notes for young writers. A lot of us are just living in the world and we're little, like not awake fully. Yeah. And we miss stuff all the time. So I'm like, wake up, like look around, sit on the subway, see a woman, make up a story about that woman just from what she's wearing. Like you create a character, create a world. You see like naval officers, you're like, huh, what are they doing? So all of a sudden you're seeing worlds and people listen to conversations because you would not believe what you can get from someone else's conversation, get great dialogue, and then you can also get a story, unbelievable story, just yeah. sitting on the subway listening to two people fight, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I think so much of being a writer is really about learning to look, mm -hmm. listen, feel. And those are all the things that we don't actually do. You know, right. our heads are buried in our iPhones. Right. And we're constantly distracting ourselves and we don't want to feel too strongly because people get upset with us. You know, right. uh, we want to behave appropriately, mm -hmm. you know. And so much, I think, of being a great writer is really about going like, okay, I'm just going to look more closely at myself more closely at the world, more closely at the people around me. Be alive. You know, when you're alive and you're present, I love that word because a lot of people aren't present, but when you're present, you see so much and you see people and you actually can feel people and have empathy or see what they've been through and be able to pull something from that into a story. That's right. I mean, because if we think of like Walter White from Breaking Bad, if somebody told you, yeah, I know this guy, he's like, used to be a science teacher and then he kind of like preyed upon his own worst student's addiction in order to kind of manipulate him into a drug business, <laughs> you'd be like, I don't want to meet this guy. Right. right? Like, I don't right. want to spend time with this person. This person right. sounds awful. <laughs> but you have a writer like Vince Gilligan who comes at that character with empathy and helps you see how, from Walter White's point of view, like Walter White's the good guy. Right. And I think that that's such a powerful piece of writing is learning to actually see the beauty even in the worst characters. When I talk to students about writing villains, a lot of times they just make them a villain. They're like mean or they're the bad guy. You can't do that. Even when someone, we'll just say, is a serial killer, they still had a childhood. They still had moments in their life. Obviously, something happened that caused this. But you can't have them just be a killer. And we've seen it on TV in the Versace movie, right? Um, Right? Oh like my God. the way that they really look at that character. I actually hate the word antagonist mm -hmm. because I always feel like the word antagonist abstracts us from the life that we actually know. Because like in my life, I don't have an antagonist. Right. 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 I have people who 
I sometimes feel like they're an antagonist. But <laughs> right. the truth is, that's that victim thing we were talking yeah. about earlier, right? It's like, as soon as you have an antagonist, then your protagonist becomes a victim. Because you have this character who exists just to torture your character, you know? And that's how you end up with these mustache-twirling villains. Yeah. As opposed to, like, Darth Vader thinks he's the good guy, you know? <laughs> like, right. Darth Vader's like, dude, my wife took my kids away. This radical apostle of some crazy religion corrupted them against me, didn't even tell them I was their father. Frickin' Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, all I'm trying to do is bring some order to the galaxy. Do you know how much work it takes to build a Death Star? Like, that was my whole life trying to build that Death Star. And now this asshole used my own son to blow it up. From Darth Vader's point of view, he's not the antagonist. He's the good dad who loves his son and wants to rule the galaxy with him. And that goes back to the character writing itself, is going deep in there, knowing that a villain or someone who is not really a villain, they're just being who they are, but they're much more well-rounded and complex. Yeah. You teach so many classes for us now, so I would like to kind of talk quickly about each of your classes and how it works. So the Write Your Screenplay class, most people who know me are aware of it. I teach it, you teach it, Dan Gunderman teaches it, but we all kind of have our own unique spin on teaching beginning screenwriting. So if, right. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your spin. My spin is to really get a little bit like yours, is to getting them to tap in to who they are as a writer, um, kind of what they might want to write or a story they might want to write, but just get into flushing out characters and ideas and teaching them some of the fundamentals of how to unfold a story. Really dive into beginning storytelling. Yeah, so you're really kind of teaching like the way in. The way in. And it's going to be fun because you don't have to have written a word in your life. That's not what this is about. This is about getting you to like tap into yourself as a writer, your voice, and what you want to might say. Beautiful. The way you teach the TV drama class is really exciting in that we actually run those classes just like real writer's rooms. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. What does it mean to be in a class that's also a writer's room? Writers' rooms are so much fun. You have all these different personalities, you know, with all these different styles and voices as writers and ideas, and you throw them all together. We teach them all how to get along, because <laughs> it's not much fun if you're in a writer's room and no one gets along. What we do is we really get you guys to know each other, know your stories, know what you want to write, know yourselves as writers and your voices, and then we start working on different people's ideas, and we all bounce and we help each other out it's like collaborative it's a blast and we move everyone's story along one of the things I love about that is the great pilots that you see on television they're not developed in a vacuum they're developed by a team and everybody on the team brings something of themselves to it and that's different than what somebody else would bring I think it's just such an exciting way of teaching where it's like you have the benefit of someone who's been there before who's kind of playing the role of showrunner right. And then you have this wonderful collection of students and maybe somebody's really good at structure and maybe right. somebody else is really great at dialogue and maybe right. somebody else always has that one awesome line. All those talents kind of come together to help fertilize your script. And then, you know, the class also includes a one-on-one -on -one with you so that yeah. once that script is written, you can get that direct feedback on your writing. Yeah, and it's exciting to teach a class like this and watch all these stories unfold and grow and become this, like, special, 
beautiful piece of art. And the fact that, like you said, like all the people add different things to it. What I love most is that we see everyone grow. Yeah. At, because you're working together and everyone has different talents, it's like this growth of writers. I, I always talk about the idea that whenever you're teaching, you're actually serving three different gods, <laughs> right? You're serving, the one that everyone's aware of is you're serving the project. Mm -hmm which is actually the least important one, right? Because right. as writers, you really need to develop a library, and oftentimes it's yeah. not the script that you think is gonna sell that actually launches your career. Right. You haven't met Pamela yet, but Pamela Cedarquest is one of our wonderful students. She's now, she started as a beginning writer with us. She's now writing for Mindhunter with David Fincher. Mm -hmm. But the thing that got her that role was a script that didn't sell, right. you know? But that was perfect for David that he didn't buy. But when they needed somebody, she was the person who got the call. And so the project is always the least important thing. The second thing is you're serving the career. Particularly in television, it doesn't matter what a great writer you are. If people don't want to spend 12 hours a day with you in a room, you're not going to survive. And if you don't know how to conduct yourself in the room, when to fight, when to right. not fight, when to right. speak up, when to let it go, when right. to be flexible. If you don't know how to do that, you might sell your pilot or you might get staff, but you're not gonna last. <laughs> right. The third piece that we're always serving, is, so everyone's aware of the project and they wanna serve the project and everyone's aware of the career and they wanna serve the career, but the most important thing is to serve the writer because you never know how long it's gonna take for your career to take off. So much of this is about the personal development of the writer and growing that writer's voice and growing that writer's skill set so that it doesn't matter what project it is, so that whenever that door opens, they have the skills to kind of go through it. And like you said, as a writer, if you don't know how to adapt to different personalities and work with people, people in Hollywood hire people they want to work with. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why Robert Downey Jr., everyone loves him in Hollywood. They would hire him for anything because he's cool, he's adaptable, he's talented. Talented. And so in the writer's room, I really want people to like find their personalities and learn how to get along with everyone and learn how to share and use their voice. Yeah. The last piece is I'd love to talk about ProTrack. So ProTrack is our one-on-one -on -one mentorship program. Most of you probably know this if you're listening, but ProTrack's our one-on-one -on -one mentorship program where we pair you with a professional writer. Right. And we mentor you one-on-one -on -one through every phase of writing your project. And so what's different about working one-on-one -on -one with a student versus working with a student in a I, group? I mean, I love working one-on-one because -on -one I feel like we're teammates. You have a project and I'm just helping guide you and share any kind of knowledge I have from my experience to help you really rise that project up and find the voice, find the story you want to tell or how to tell it or let you really grow as a writer with your characters and get it to you know the end where you have something you're really proud of and you can go out and run with it. Well, is there anything else, if there was one last little piece of wisdom that you'd like to leave, or not wisdom, <laughs> <laughs> one last little piece that you'd like to leave our listeners with, what, um, what would that if you're drawn to writing, come write. What we do here is have artists, writers, become like deep, real, functioning, working writers. And I think a lot of times people are afraid because they're like, I don't really know how to write or I'm afraid I'm gonna look stupid. I get that a lot. And I had a judge, I'll tell you this, share this. I had a judge come up to me at like a party and was like, I wanna write a screenplay, but I, I don't know how to write. I don't really know story. I'm like, you're a judge. <laughs> what are you talking about? So it's about 
not worrying about the confidence, okay? Just coming right. You know, it, then it, it'll all take off on its own. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that makes me proud of what we do here is like, you don't have to be the expert because we have experts here who can help you. You need to be the person who comes in open to looking at yourself and looking at your characters and getting your truth on the page. Right. And then we're lucky to have wonderful people like you to, to help, oh, thank help you. bring the craft to it. Thank so you, thank you so much for your oh, time, Katie. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For a complete transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast.